This is a Restless Holiday Special. Welcome back to Restless, where we talk new Calvinism. I am joined by Pastor Michael on a special occasion. Pastor Michael, how are you? Matt, I am doing well, and I can feel the love in the air today. You know, I was wondering, since we're doing a Valentine's Day holiday special, are you a big Valentine's Day guy? I will say this, and if we have any women listening in our audience, uh, although I assume that we skew heavily male, but I know there's some women out there, uh, they will probably say that this is just me being a blockhead and I don't actually understand my wife well enough yet, or I'm in trouble or something like that. But my wife and I do not really do anything special for really any holiday. (laughs) We don't, we're not, we're very practical people. And so we might like, if it's Valentine's day, we might go out of our way to do just say, Hey, well, let's uh, buy something that we've wanted or let's eat a special dessert and just, do what we always do. We don't do anything special. What we like about Valentine's Day in the Klein household is that the day is so unsacred to us. Whatever we do is fun, right? So <laughs> it's just, it's every year, it's a complete surprise because we have no traditions and zero expectations for it. However, the Restless podcast is going to be starting a Valentine's Day tradition. I think we are going to be going through new Calvinist takes on 1 Timothy 2. And so this idea came to me when... Every Valentine's Day we're every going to val- Why not? <laughs> I didn't know every- I was signing up for every Valentine's Day. Well, I think there's... Can you imagine how many, how many times there are videos on this subject by the new Calvinists? There's got to be a lot, right? Trying to Trying to defend and not sound too out of touch with culture. So... So this idea came to me when a video was recommended to me on YouTube by the Gospel Coalition. Michael, we are also reviewing our first Gospel Coalition material today called Don Carson and Tim Keller, What Did Paul Mean by I Do Not Permit a Woman to Teach? So Michael and I are going to watch this video and react to it live. And I thought this would be a great place for us to start discussing complementarianism, which is obviously a huge area for new Calvinism, because this is the precise verse and ground the new Calvinists were committed to defend. So it's interesting that we've decided to not start with something more romantic, like the roles between (laughs) men and women in marriage. We're just, we're just hitting this one hard. Just go right, right to the center of it, huh? Yeah. And I think as far as it goes, this is where we, we're going to start on a positive note with them because this seems to be kind of the one, you know, one of the few like boundaries they would defend no matter what the meaning of these verses. So before we start, there are two things I want to do. First, I want to say uh, we continue to enjoy talking to the listeners who send us stuff and give us ideas. So the the video clip, it occurred to me, maybe we should have done for Valentine's Day is Matt Chandler's classic clip, Jesus Wants the Rose. So here's my promise to the listeners. We will do a reaction to that Matt Chandler clip once our Facebook page has over 100 likes. 
we're at like 77 or something. So not too many more of you listening now need to like the page. If you want to hear Michael and I react to what put Matt Chandler on the map. We know that we have enough listeners that we should easily be able to get those likes. Maybe they just don't want to associate with us. But if you are listening and you don't want to associate with us, do it for the Matt Chandler clip. Do it for the Matt Chandler clip. So we that one, uh, I look forward to doing that. Michael, I've actually not seen it that I know of. I can't, oh boy. I, I, I maybe just don't remember it, but. I can't wait. I can't wait for uh, whatever part two of our Valentine's Day holiday special, whenever that comes. Get us to a hundred people for so, a late Valentine's Day part two video. That's right. Uh, let's discuss this video from the Gospel Coalition. This was actually released in 2020 in November. So this is a recent addition to their discussion of complementarianism. You know, it's interesting that this has come out. So this this will be in late 2020. So this is after uh, there's been quite a bit of publication that's trying to uh, change what complementarianism was and try mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, I don't know if you call it revisionism, but trying to uh, no longer be complementarian while still being complementarian. Does that make sense? There's, you know, you have recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood and things like that coming out. So it'll just be interesting to see what this is like. But yeah, so let me read, this is from 1 Timothy chapter two, and I'm going to give some of the context. I'll read a little bit more than just the one verse. Yes, please. Uh, But this is 1 Timothy chapter two, beginning in verse eight. Paul says this, I desire then that in every place, the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly and with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Obviously, the verse this video is focusing on is verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. The context is very important, and we'll see how much of that Pastor Michael and I pull in as we discuss this. Pastor Michael, before we listen to the venerable Don Carson and Tim Keller, if you were to if you were to express what is the kind of central debate or conflict over this verse, how, what would you how would you describe it? That's a good question. If you're supposed to limit it down, really, you're just the the question is, can women or should women be preaching in the church? Not a not a question of like can like is it. Is it even possible? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, there's women pastors, there's women who preach uh, from the pulpit, uh, but should that be so? Should women uh, be preaching in the church? That's the primary question. Yeah. And so let's hear what, uh, can we call them Tim and Don? Matt and Mike, listen to Tim and Don have a discussion. Let's hear it. There it is. There's that winsome music. Also, where are they? What are they're just standing well, at this table? It's a really, really uh, funny place. 
is such a controversial passage, and I'm so glad that I'm here with a New Testament scholar, uh, because I'm really just, I'm just an amateur. So uh, what is, what is Paul forbidding there, do you think? Well, let, let me dare uh, make, make an advertisement, first of all. Okay. Uh, there's a recent commentary by Robert Yarbrough, Bob Yarbrough, yeah. in the PNTC series on the pastoral epistles that is especially strong in following the trace of the argument through the text. Hmm. And it's one of the best treatments of 1 Timothy 2 I've seen anywhere, simply because it follows yeah. the trace. What series is that in? It's in? The Pillar series. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Let's just give that promo for the, the Pillar Commentary series. Yes. So, um, well, I mean, if you want uh, more exegetical detail, that's where I'd look first. Um, and th then the, the next thing I'd say, you, you, can, you can configure that as two limitations or one. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority. Is that two things? Or is it one thing? Yeah. And syntactically, that is, according to the way the Greek sentence is put together, it's two things. But it's pretty close to one thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. That is, the authority that was exercised in the early church right. was primarily through the word. It, it was not um, from some hierarchical structure or status. Um, so it, it sounds like a church recognized word-based authority, uh, what has come to be called a magisterial authority, a, a teaching authority, um, uh, Mm -hmm. Which seems to be seems to be uh, the limitation that Paul has in mind, and that is in line with other texts that that uh, that that one finds in the New Testament. To my mind, that's the focus of. The Interesting. Um, yeah, by the way, first of all, I um, just to show where we are in our cultural moment. I bought the Pillar Commentary by Bob, and I immediately. <laughs> opened it and read that section. And I did think it was masterful. And I said, ah, oh, here we go. This is great. And I, I like the fact that, you know, here I'm speaking as a pastor practitioner. Before pastor practitioner, Dr. Tim Keller speaks, Pastor Michael, can I ask you a question? Let's hear it. Have you ever been asked if the, if this was forbidding one thing or two things um, uh, in First Timothy 2? I have never personally been asked that. I feel like we are, are are missing maybe what the average video watcher might be wondering about this text. I want to defend them for a second. We're only I'm about halfway through. I mean, we are halfway through. I mean, yep. we're about halfway through the video and they have not touched on it yet. But so far, uh, you know, it's possible that they still are going to share with us. So I'll just say that having being in a reform seminary, you do hear discussion of the kind of like nitty gritty Greek of like what, how is the Greek sentence constructed? Also, is this referring? is almost every scholarly commentary that you will read. Uh, you pick up the commentary and they will answer every single question that you have except the one that you really have. <laughs> they'll, they'll answer everything that you might possibly need to know, except for the primary question. So we'll see if they do that or not. And, and, I, and, I, and I'll just say it is, it is tiresome. It is not helpful for me to apply you know, to people or my life, right? When, when that is the primary way. And I agree that that is what most commentaries are doing. And so 
you, Michael, you, we, we will let you, we will give them a chance before I, you're I too press, hard on them, Matt. You are before too I hard press on them. pastor Michael on this issue again. So they have four minutes. So here we go. Pastor practitioner, Tim Keller. Um, I like the fact that you say there is some debate about whether that's two things or one. And there are people, I've seen some people who, uh, not, I'm convinced by what you said, it's one thing, but there are people who say it's two. And, uh, what I, what I do at Redeemer, what I've done over the years, and it's not a, uh, it's not a popular position is to say, Paul is forbidding something here, something, and I'm open to anybody who may have a different opinion from me on what that is or how that works itself out. Michael. I'm losing hope that something's going to be said, but man, Michael, I really, Michael. I really hope it keeps going. Michael, uh, could you, could you give me a clue about what that something might be? Could that something potentially, <laughs> potentially be permitting a woman to speak or have authority? I don't know. I don't know. Um, can we just? <laughs> It's, it's it's just like a meme. I don't know if anybody listening to us is going to have like even know why we think that is so this, funny. Because this is the most Tim Keller Tim Keller thing to do, and and I understand that like and I and I and I'm sure I've used a similar tactic on certain issues, where where like in order to communicate with people that you think are going to be and he said this isn't a popular view. Your view was nothing. Of course, that's not popular. But right, in order to communicate with people you think are going to be antagonistic, you say it has to mean something, right? Right. And I mean, and honestly, the egalitarians, the the logic of this passage cannot does not work, right? Right. It does. Well, and this is the. I mean, it it is true. The the feminist egalitarian uh, way of trying to interpret this literally is interpreting it away. So it, uh, I have quite literally uh, sat with people in person as they talk through the exegesis of this passage and because of uh, certain potential historical backgrounds that aren't necessarily mentioned in the text, but they were probably at play. Therefore, when Paul says this, that he does not permit uh, a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, what he actually means is that women can teach and exercise authority over man. Like literally those are the words that I have been told before. Right. And so to for someone in Keller's place, and I mean, he's, I mean, his context is what? It's the, right. uh, you know, kind of Aaron Wren's idea of a more neutral world in New York City where you're dealing with the kinds of people that come with objections. And he wants to try to just say right away, where is our middle ground where we can all meet together? Well, like, hey, we can meet at the point that says, there has to be something, something yeah. that is not let's, allowed. <laughs> and let's let's hope, though, in the final uh, three minutes of this video, we get, you know, I tuned into this video, you know, wanting Dr. Don Carson and Dr. Tim Keller to answer, what did Paul mean by I do not permit a woman to teach? That's what I was promised. I hope the answer is more than it means something <laughs> because yes. that is that is not that is not clear. All right, let's let's keep going. We also have to keep in mind that different denominations uh, invest different levels of authority in different offices, and therefore, what authority mean, looks like in a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or an Anglican church might be different. 
and so I'm open to that. I am not open to somebody saying uh, there isn't anything he's forbidding, or it, that was not a transcultural uh, uh, statement, and therefore we we don't have to, it doesn't bind us anymore. So, or it's just so difficult, therefore we can't know. Therefore, well, you know that's interesting. An awful lot of young Christians are doing that. They're throwing their hands up and they're saying, since I can't understand it, I'm just going to do what seems right to me. Yeah. yeah. It's, so yeah, it's it's what a friend of mine uh, likes to call imperial ignorance. That, that is to say, um, it, it's it's the assertion that not only I don't know, but you cannot know. Right. That's a good point, point. and it's self-justifying too. It's really saying, to anything I want to do. So I would I would generally say he's forbidding something. You show me something, and I'll work with you on that. But don't tell me he's not forbidding anything because he is. But how would you answer that question? Um, how do you know this is a transcultural um, uh, uh, piece of uh, an exhortation that that's true for all time and all churches? Okay, so we get tell to... us what he's forbidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's so... the question I thought he was about to ask. I thought he was going to say, "So tell us, tell us yes. the answer to that." Because he has two what minutes to ask it. He has two minutes to ask it. We're down and, to two minutes. And happy Valentine's Day, because this is going well. <laughs> this is going well. I mean. I don't know how different the, you know, I, it's really hard to know who can, how, how am I supposed to know? I don't know how different that is than Tim Keller's. It means something. It's going to look different everywhere. What, but once we, can we work together on it? He's trying, he's trying to meet people in the middle, right? Like meet people on a neutral playing field where we can get to some place of meaning. I do think like, okay, it's great that you say, no, it's not, it like uh, it, it is transcultural. Like it, it goes beyond just one cultural moment. Cause that is a common, yep. uh, like, uh, yep. feminist reinterpretation of this to say, well, no, this is tied just to that culture. And so therefore it has no bearing on us today, but so far, everything that has been done for the first two thirds of this video, cause we only have one third left. It's a yep. short video. Yep. <laughs> we, it, we're making it take forever. But, uh, in the first two thirds of the video, nothing has been said about what it means. Everything has been said to kind of uh, I don't know, hedge it a little bit. Right. Or like, right. uh, like kind of tiptoe around it. And yeah. I just, I want to hear it said. I do too. And because I, because this, maybe if, if they don't get to it, we can spend just two minutes or something discussing this ourselves because I do want to hear this. And this, this honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it listeners. I suspected something like this might it would might have been what was going to happen in this video when I chose it because I think it illustrates this principle that you saw in complementarianism I am so glad they were willing to defend this verse they did not they were often unwilling to really push out to what this verse meant right to the point that like the, the the context Michael read, you know, the yet she will be saved in childbearing, right? That we just people just that just lights people's hair on fire. They can't believe that's in the Bible, right? But again, that you know what? Actually, here's my thought. I'll give you yet she will be saved through childbearing is difficult, and I want you to admit to me it means something. And then let's talk <laughs> about it. Because yes. that is so much less clear. <laughs> than the the statement preceding that right the the exact exhortation the prohibition is yes pretty clear yes okay so we've got 
one third left. He's asking how we can know this is a transcultural concept. Let's see if they answer the what what I would say is is the the apparent uh, grounding Paul gives us. To greet one another with a holy kiss. Yes. Yes. Um, two things. Um, Paul grounds his argument first in the order of creation and second yeah. in the order of the fall. Now, hmm. you, 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 can, you can wrestle quite a long time with exactly what that means. I, I'm, I'm prepared to venture uh, a suggestion, but the point is it's hard to think of any events in... Uh, I'm, I'm prepared to venture a suggestion. I don't... We got a minute left. I hope you venture. <laughs> you, you venture that suggestion. Because, by the way, again, just to remind everybody, the video is called What Did Paul Mean by I Do Not Permit a Woman to Teach. We we will link it and you can watch it yourself right uninterrupted. And maybe they'll say it. They still have time. They still have a minute. They, they still have time. There's time. In all of the Bible that are mm -hmm. less culturally dependent than, than, than the yeah, order of creation. Certainly. It's, it's not as if Paul is saying, no. now, considering, considering the relative ignorance of women who don't have enough education, therefore I forbid such and such. That's right. not what he's such saying. No, he's not. It, it's, it's tied in his own argumentation to two things that yeah. are massively transcultural. Yeah, he, uh, it almost seems like he may know somebody might question. At least, yeah. certainly, it is an inconvenient that he does that yes. uh, for people who really don't like the exhortation. The only thing I say, again, as a practitioner, is uh, if somebody says, how do you know it's a transcultural passage? I say, well, how do you know it's not? Uh, especially when you're talking about a New Testament passage. <laughs> There's it's like a countdown going in my mind. I'm just like, just say, you haven't said anything yet and you have 40 seconds left. Like you're running out of time. I'm almost getting nervous. <laughs> like you're like you're not, you're, you don't know. You haven't answered the question of the this, video yet. This is just working out as well as it could have possibly for me. I came in going, <laughs> I'm worried we're not going to say anything. Well, let's give them time. <laughs> they have six minutes. Oh my Dude, goodness. I mean, they go so far to not say anything. <laughs> Dr. Carson says, you know, he grounds this in, in creation in the fall, which he does, right? This is this is so important, right? The order of creation and the the way the fall, the way the fall corrupted that is is the point, right? Women, let me just say this: women teaching with authority in the church is corruption. It is the kind of confusion that happened at the fall when Eve ate and gave it to Adam. It is that kind of, that is Paul's point, right? But Matt, you're jumping the gun because they're going to get sorry, to that. Okay. They have 40 I, I, I seconds. But, but, my, but here's the thing is, right, Dr. Carson, he says, you know, it's grounded in the fall and in, in the order of creation, such and such. He says such, he doesn't even, he, he doesn't even just quote the verse, which at this point we would be like, okay, you said it. He said it. Right. So the video uh, could have right. been a lot shorter. You could have just read it and said, like yeah, they said at the beginning, what, they did it, read it. what did he mean by this? This. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, right. meant, he meant what he said. Here, here we go. Here we go. It seems to me that the burden of proof is on the person who says it's not and it should be a very high bar. And, uh, and in light of the way he ties it to the, the creation and the fall, it's very difficult 
to see how he could, anybody could get over that. And I've heard people try to do it, and I just think they're pretty unconvincing. And with that, that's what she is. We're out of time. It was less than forty seconds because of the music at the end. I thought they, I thought they were going to get to it. They did they not. They didn't say anything about it. They no, did they... not answer the question of the video again. Is what did Paul mean by "I do not permit a woman to teach"? And they yeah. did not even address that question. No. Maybe, they, maybe this is just like the Gospel Coalition intern who's putting the videos together. Like he just did a bad job of titling the video. That could be it. I think I'll say, I'll say, I'll say one thing about this. I'll give, let's give a little benefit of the doubt. I mean, that was, it was, it was poor, but the benefit of the doubt I want to give is that the Gospel Coalition thinks its audience is so like lockstep on you know, on, on the position of women in, in teaching roles that the question they needed to answer was the Greek syntactical question. Does this forbid one thing or two? And is it transcultural or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And let me just say, you guys are, you are misreading the room. I think so. You are misreading the room. Here, let me uh, step in then and say, uh, you know, the, Thinking of like Dr. Carson, I never had Dr. Carson as a professor uh, when I was at Trinity. I did. Uh, I've, I've sat with him. I've, I've had some conversation with him briefly. Um, and uh, so I know what the culture of Trinity was like and what the culture of evangelicalism as a whole at least was like back in the heyday, even of the Gospel Coalition. But even before that, you think about, uh, I mean, uh, these men, as you started, are older, right? I mean, they're, right. uh, I want to be, I want to be honorable in how I talk yeah, about them, but certainly. they're, I mean, they're not young. And uh, I think they are misreading the room in what exactly is needed at this moment, because they're coming from a time when the world was more or less neutral toward Christianity. And there was general agreement on certain things. And the world we are now in is in desperate need of clear, straightforward answers on these things that are difficult for a lot of people that have grown up in an egalitarian system and frame of mind. And we have, you know, like we mentioned before, there's all kinds of books right now in the kind of reformed evangelical world coming out, trying to uh, move the goalposts as far as what exactly it looks like women teaching. Is it okay here? Is it okay there? Like what, you know, trying to soften as much as they can text like this. And it would be great to have two men just come out and say, here it is. This is what it teaches. Uh, but I remember, I mean, at, at Trinity, uh, it drove me crazy because uh, this is Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, where Dr. Carson taught for a long time. Um, one of the things that drove me is crazy. Is he still there, by the way? I no, he retired okay. uh, several years ago. So he was, I think he retired right around the time that I graduated. Uh, or, you know, I think maybe his last year was the year after, a year before I graduated, something like that. So he's been gone for a few years now. But uh, you were basically allowed to be complementarian, soft complementarian. Uh, you know, kind of the, you know, of the, you know, kind of Tim Keller, D.A. Carson variety. The verse can, means something. 
right. professor. So like, like you, <laughs> you could be complimentarian as long as every time you brought it up in class, you first apologized for all of the abuse and bad. wickedness that has been done in the name of complementarianism. Right. It was just sad. It was sad. It, like no one could just believe this, right? And uh, and so like that being the culture that you know there may be used to being a part of. They're used to people pushing back hard against these particular items. Well, here's why the text doesn't say what it says. Here's why the text doesn't say what it says. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's it's tied to the cultural moment. It has to do with the fact that these women were particularly you know uneducated. Uh, it doesn't have to do with anything outside of the current time. And they're saying, well, no, it it is transcultural. It does mean something. You have to agree to that. But it did not say what it means. Right. It did not say what it actually means. And I think and I think a lot of people would be helped this because this is the other thing which we said uh, when we discussed Piper's thing. All of men's and women's roles cannot be reduced down to this text and the few others yes. like it. Right. This 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 is and even Paul in this text, as I look at the text in its context, which Pastor Michael read. Guess what? Before Paul gets to this prohibition, he talks about what he expects women to be like, adorning themselves in respectful attire, modesty, self-control, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, costly attire, which is proper for women who profess godliness. Paul has already worked to sketch a view of femininity that's bigger than you can't speak at church. Right? And so then Paul comes into it and I think the text obviously is clear for the reasons they said, why I, 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 I think it is applies today, that women cannot fill the office of elder or do any of its functions. I think that is, that's what we're getting. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. And, and this is, can, I mean, this is the whole argument of First Timothy. The, the whole purpose of First Timothy is Paul writing to Timothy to tell him how the household of God is to supposed run to be the run, church. how yes. to rule the church, right? Just after this, right after this text is when he goes into the qualifications of a, an overseer of the church, of an elder of the church. Yes. And this whole section really has to do with the corporate worship of the church, right? What does the corporate yes. worship look like? Well, it looks different. Uh, for how men and women act because men and women have distinct natures. They've been created by God for a particular yes. purpose, and yes. that is good and righteous and awesome. And there's so much more going into it that uh, this is, you know, we have to do more on this at some point, but we've started to talk about how some of the failure of the kind of new Calvinist uh, complementarianism was that it it drew what feels like arbitrary lines saying men and women are basically the same, except in the home with you know certain decisions basically and in the pulpit there's these arbitrary lines drawn but otherwise there's not necessarily right. uh, differences in how god has made us at least not uh, you know to such an extent that it would change other aspects of how we live and and you and and the right men and women's natures again the, the these are just things that i i had not considered that the nature of the the male and femaleness how that comes into worship matters right and I had not thought of that deeply until I'd been exposed to Herman Bovink, um, who was a Dutch theologian, who said, grace restores nature. And mm -hmm. so his point wasn't that it obliterates nature, right? Yeah. And so you should expect the things of nature, right, that the God's household is still a household and it doesn't obliterate 
what human households are like. Right. Uh, let me let me say one thing. I um, for one of my classes, I actually uh, I had an assignment through this, and I I had to read a very liberal commentary on this passage, and it gave me uh, a a actually an appreciation for liberal scholars that I didn't have before. And here's what it had: they walked through the passage, they got to verse twelve, they got to verse. 13, they got to verse 14, 15, right? All of the controversial statements about women not being permitted to teach, exercise authority, the argument from creation, the argument from the fall, women saved through childbearing. And this, this commentator, who did not believe Paul wrote this, right, walked through this clearly, concisely, right? It said, this is clearly saying that women are not to speak in the gathered assembly of the church. This is the context, right? Walks through it. It says because of creation, he walks through it all. And I and, and he goes, and then he goes, thank God we know this misogynist view is gone and we can move <laughs> beyond it. And obviously this person is wrong and is um is a heretic, but but what I the appreciation I had is because this person has no dog in trying to make these mm. Bible verses feel good to them, they feel totally free to just throw them away. He's totally, he has no chain. He has nothing to try and prevent him from reading it as naturally as it would be. And so he just does. Here it is. This is what it says. Uh, I don't like it. And I think it's wrong, but and, this is exactly what it teaches. Yep. And, and that's, and because it teaches that, that's how I know it's wrong and not deserving to be followed. Well, I so, hope that, uh, we have all learned a little something that in the, in the midst of our bouts of laughter, where, <laughs> when, uh, not much else was, uh, audible except for laughter. I hope that we all learn that this passage does indeed mean something. And that if you are the person who titled that video we just watched, we'd love you. We'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to have to you on the show. <laughs> explain to you how to title a video next time. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. This has been our holiday special. Like the show. So we will do a similar reaction. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Jesus wants the rose. Happy Valentine's Day. Special thanks to TGC for putting out this video. Thanks to Dr. Keller and Dr. Carson, who we have learned a lot from. We hope everyone listening had a, as much fun thinking about complementarianism as we did. We'll catch you next time. We were like, all right, well, they still got 40 seconds. And it was like five seconds later. Music. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs>